Employee engagement is essential to companies. It affects many things in the company culture as well as the company performance, but it also has declined in the past several years. Because of that, many companies conduct employee engagement surveys. However, before you set off to conduct an employee engagement survey, there are a few things that I want you to know and consider. Because you may end up not really hearing what you need to hear, but rather only what you want to hear, and because you might do more harm than good with those surveys. I'll explain with examples and research data, and at the end, I'll tell you what I think you should do to keep employee engagement high. Because after all, that's your goal, right? And yes, it has everything to do with trust. Right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? The first question to ask when, when we start talking about employee engagement is, why is it even important? Why is employee engagement important? And, and with that, I'll defer to, to one of the, the biggest surveys done by Gallup uh, in 2020. It was a meta-analysis, and, and meta-analysis means that they didn't actually do direct research interviewing people or, or sending out surveys, but rather collected data from many, many, many other studies. In, in fact, this, this study was the collection or a meta-analysis of 456 studies of 276 organizations in 54 different industries, 96 countries, and it, it totally covered more than 2.7 million employees. So they, they wanted to correlate uh, the, the, employee, uh, the, the employee engagement to, to other outcomes. And, and I broke the outcomes into two categories. And in, in each one of them, the numbers I'm going to give you are the differences in, in those categories between the top quartile, so like the top 75th, 75th quartile. So if, if we rank all of the, the uh, inputs uh, th that they collected, into uh, four quartiles, so right below the top 25% and right above the bottom 25%. So the differences between the top quartile and the bottom quartile. So I broke it into two. The first category is employees. What does it do to the employees, the, the fact that there is high or low engagement, and the culture in the company? So first of all, turnover. Turnover is important to the company because it costs money to replace employees, not to mention the damage that happens to the company when an employee um, leaves. And they kind of broke it into uh, companies that have uh, a typical 40% or more annual turnover and companies that have 40% or less uh, turnover. And so for those that have typically more than, 14, uh, than 40%, the turnover if you have high engagement, is 18% lower. For those that have 40% or lower turnover, 
the impact of engagement. So this, these are companies where the, the turnover is lower, which means that employees typically stay longer. The uh, turnover would decline 43% when you have higher uh, employee engagement. Uh, when you have low employee engagement, 81% more absenteeism. Employees just, you know, are absent from work for whatever, you know, taking sick days or, or what have you. Uh, 66% higher well-being if if they're engaged. They feel 66% higher well-being. Uh, 13% higher organizational citizenship or participation where employees are really participating, which is almost synonymous to to in, in, in engagement in general. Then how about the company performance? I mean, if you're an HR manager, if you're a leader, one of the things that, that you're trying to sell to, to the top management is really performance. So what happens when you have high in the top quartile compared to the bottom quartile? What happens when you have high employee engagement? 10% higher customer loyalty, 23% higher profitability, 18% higher productivity in sales, 14% higher productivity in productions, 64% fewer safety incidents or accidents, 28% less shrinkage, which I love this word shrinkage. What they really meant is theft, that employees steal things. 28% less when you have higher uh, engagement. 58% fewer patient safety incidents. And we're talking about both mortality and, and falls. And this obviously is more in the hospital uh, industry uh, or healthcare. And 41% better quality, fewer defects. So I think we would all agree. I think you would agree with me that that employee engagement is important. And here are those results, just to prove it. The next question is, what is the state of employee engagement right now? And once again, I'm, I'm going to refer to a Gallup uh, study that, that I downloaded. Uh, it was really dated. I mean, I'm looking at it. It's uh, three weeks ago in on January 25th, 2023. Uh, and, you know, I looked up a lot of articles about employee engagement trends and state and so on. And, and they almost all refer to the same study done by Gallup, this January 25th one. What they found out was that employee engagement has declined for the first time in more than a decade. And not only that he did that one year in 2021, he did that in 2022 as well. So after 10 years of, an in, of continuous increase in engagement, two years of continuous decrease in engagement. And, and, you know, they looked at engagement or disengagement. They look at active engagement and active disengagement. And so active engagement was 36% in 2020 and went down to 32%. So employees that are actively engaged, that went down from 36% to 32%. But they also measure active disengagement. You know how we talk about the great resignation, uh, the employees that are actively disengaged, actively doing things to disengage, 
that went from 13% in 2019. So this thing went up uh, three years in a row. If I remember correctly, it was flat between 2018 to 2019. Uh, after declining, this engagement was declining in over a decade. And then it, it went flat 2018 to 2019 and then started declining from 13% in 2019 to 18% in 2022. So decent, active disengagement went up three years in a row. Active engagement went down two years in a row. That's the status of employee engagement. And yes, it is a red flag. Yes, it is something that, that you need to worry about. So obviously, employee engagement is important. Obviously, we worry about it because it's trending the wrong direction. And what do we do? The first step that we do, you know, it's uh, like that, that famous statement from um, uh, Newsroom, the TV show Newsroom. The first step in solving any problem is realizing or acknowledging that you have one. So let's first measure. You know, who was it? The Drucker, I think, who said that uh, you can fix what you can measure or you can't manage what you can measure. So let's measure it. And for that, we have employee engagement surveys. And a lot of companies offer those surveys. And the first question we have to ask is, are they reliable? Are those employee engagement surveys reliable? Are they going to tell us what we want them to tell us? So obviously, um, you want to keep anonymity. And, and, and I'm going to say obviously, uh, even though I'm actually going to show you uh, a research that was done that, that talked about why anonymity is, is important. But let's talk about anonymity. First of all, I, I want to uh, make sure that, that we clarify the difference or, or the distinction between confidential and anonymous. Okay, Anonymous is when even the researcher conducting that study cannot identify the participant. So I'm going to respond and I'm going to trust that even the researcher cannot tell that this answer came from me. Confidential on the other side is when the researcher can identify that it was me. And, and if you take, for example, uh, interviews as opposed to surveys, in interviews, obviously, the researcher can identify who the subject or, or the participant is. Well, when I did my doctoral research, it was qualitative. It was, for the most part, interview-based. I knew who the people I interviewed were. I mean, that was not anonymous. But um, the researcher keeps the information confidential, from the decision makers. So that's the difference. So when it's anonymous, I have to trust that neither the researcher nor the decision maker know who I am, that this input came from me. Confidential, I have to trust the researcher to not divulge that information to the decision maker. Okay? Why is anonymity important? Uh, some people are comfortable enough to give the, the real answers in person. So if you ask me, I'll tell you straight to your face, I'm not holding anything back. And by the way, that has to do with several things, uh, including trust. If I trust that, that you're going to be receptive to that feedback, when there is a higher level of trust, and th this is my own study, what I found is that I'm 106% more inclined to give you feedback, direct feedback, the, the feedback you need to hear and not what I think you want to hear. For some people, it's just that the risk is 
little or small enough to say, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to tell them what I think. And, and you know, I conducted a few uh, polls myself to see people's attitudes towards anonymity. And, and quite a few of the respondents, that's what they said. I'm going to tell them exactly the same thing that I'm going to tell them in person. What's the worst that can happen? They're going to fire me? Fine. I'll find another job. I feel pretty confident. Or, you know, I trust them. So there could be different reasons. Um, but some people are not. And, and actually, you, you will see that most people are not comfortable uh, giving the real answer if they knew that they can be identified. So the AERA, the American Educational Research Association, did a study in 2017, 454 responses. Uh, this is in the educational uh, field, so I, I need to, to uh, clarify that. What are the factors that are impacting online survey response rates? Okay, so we're going to send out a response, a, a survey. What would affect the response rate? And they identified 11 different factors. We're not going to talk about uh, 10 of them. We're going to talk about one of them. And that's this is what they found. 75% said that they are more inclined to complete the survey if they are assured of anonymity. And by the way, only 18.9% disagreed with that statement. So the rest are kind of uh, in between, uh, unsure. But 75% said that they will complete in a survey only if they can be assured that, that it's anonymous. So if you want to get answers from these people, you have to assure anonymity. Um. Again, this was in an educational setting, so now the question, uh, the, an educational setting, so now the question is, is it, is it better or worse in the workplace? I'm going to guess that since in the workplace you have more at stake, I mean, you're working first and foremost to uh, make money for support yourself and your family. This is your livelihood. You know, if we're looking at the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this is in the lower levels, the, the foundational levels that are very important to you. And, and you're probably more worried about what would happen if um, uh, they can, you, they don't like your response and they can track it back to you. So, Obviously, anonymity, as I just showed you, is important. Now the question is, do they believe that it's anonymous? So I did a LinkedIn poll asking about whether employee surveys, employee engagement surveys are anonymous. Here is the question I asked. When your company asks you to participate in an anonymous, anonymous employee engagement poll, how confident are you that your answers cannot be tracked to you? I got 28 votes. I, I did another survey monkey poll, so I'll, I'll kind of add uh, their, uh, the responses I got there as well. But only on the LinkedIn one, I got 28 votes. Uh, I was very careful with, with how I phrased this question, and I'll talk about that uh, uh, later uh, in this episode. But out of 28, 6 or 21% were very confident that those answers cannot be tracked to them. Nine responses, 32%, said it, they are not sure or somewhat confident that, that it's not. So let's say 50%. And 13, almost half, 46%, 
said that they're not at all confident that their answers cannot be tracked to them. If I add these two numbers, then now I have, uh, uh, really, uh, what do I have? 79, 79% who said that they're not at all confident or somewhat confident that uh, um, they, they, they are not sure. And if they're not sure, what's the probability that they're going to give you the the uh, the real answer as opposed to what they think you want to hear or they just are not participating in it because they're afraid? The survey monkey poll apparently got closed after 10 responses, which I wish I knew uh, ahead of time. I wouldn't even done that. Um, not at all confident six somewhat one so this is kind of a seven to three three were confident very confident but you know it's 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 even it's one third the size of the sample so i'm I'm not going to take that too seriously i asked the same question on facebook i actually asked for responses kind of in wording quite a few said zero you know i'm not confident that that those answers cannot be traced or in other words i'm pretty confident that those answers can be traced traced back to me uh some people said, you know, trust, uh, they trust that they are not trying to track, but they believe that the capability is there. Somebody uh, said that, uh, oh, yeah, employees can be identified by the responses. Uh, and again, some just don't care. I will say the same thing if you ask me in person. Um, can you identify me from my response? Here's another interesting uh, aspect of anonymity. Can you identify me from my response? Well, uh, if we included demographics, which, by the way, the AERA study found that if you put demographics at the beginning, you have a lower probability of people responding. So put demographics at the end. But if you have very detailed demographics, you know, uh, including the position in the company and, you know, age uh, and, and, and gender and race and a whole bunch of things, we're starting to get to a point where, you know, when you get the answer and you look at the demographics, you can point to who this is, especially if it's a smaller company or it's a smaller sample. By the way, I don't even know how many people you're sampling. Maybe you're sampling only four people and I'm responding and the little demographic information I gave pointed out precisely who I was responding here. The same applies when the questions are very specific. Um, you know, and, and especially if the answers are very specific. You know, when, when the answer is actually not a multiple choice, but, but rather a text answer, um, you know, the style there, the wording, the language uh, can help trace it to me. Uh, maybe the, the questions are just too detailed uh, to the point where there's only one person in this company uh, that can answer this question with this level of detail. They can track IP addresses. You know, it's funny. One of the things that um, that people told, several people told me was that when they get that message that says, you haven't filled the survey yet, they go, so they know who I am. They can track me. And it's funny because that message might automatically come out of the tool, the survey tool. It's not within the control of the person who uh, uh, sent out uh, or, or is the decision maker, the person you're afraid to be too uh, open with, to give too much feedback to. 
uh, they may not even know who are the people who filled the survey or did not fill the survey. But when you get this message that says you haven't filled the survey yet, a lot of people said, uh, you know, that makes me feel that they do know who's what survey is mine. So this is something to think about. Now, the other question is, how is the survey being being? developed or, or being being launched uh, is it using the company's own uh, website or own tools that are a lot more in control by the decision makers and decision makers have a lot more access to the database coming back from the the survey um, versus using third parties you know different companies uh, Gallup is one of them uh, that do uh, uh, standalone, third-party employee engagement surveys. So if I know that there is a third party, I was asked several times to do, uh, well, in my case, it was more the level of trust or or trust surveys in the company. So I'm a third party. Uh, But now the question is, do they trust that the decision maker would not actually, or the person that bought the survey from me, the service from me, uh, actually will not get the information from me. So the information will remain confidential, even though I know what it is. So now it's not anonymous, it's confidential. But still, even with third parties, there could be a mistake when, uh, you know, uh, somehow uh, by mistake, I disclosed the information with the names of the people. It could be an information breach. So even third parties are not bulletproof. There's no 100% guarantee that if you're using a third party, your employees are not going to think that uh, that this is a, uh, a standalone survey, that, that, that it's really anonymous. Something to keep in mind is that the more important questions, the questions you really need good feedback to, are typically the ones that employees are going to be more afraid to answer because of fear of retaliation. Uh, You know, if I'm not sure that this cannot be traced to me and you're asking me a question such as, um, do you you trust your boss? Do you think that your boss is competent? Now, would you want to know the answer to that question? Of course you would. But now it's not only that uh, there is 75% of us that say, uh, I'm not going to answer because I don't believe that if I don't believe that it's anonymous, but now, um, you know what, even if I'm at the 25%, this is a question. And if I think that this is something that may come back to me, um, I just worry. And, and I can't tell how, how many articles I read about employees that described their the process and and said, you know, as, as an anonymous as they told me this, the survey was, my boss called me and by her questions, I could tell that she knew what I answered, even though I was promised it's anonymous. And, and now I'm afraid of retaliation. So the more important the question is, the more impactful the answer to the question is the more employees are going to fear retaliation. And if they are not certain, which as you can see, they're not certain that it is anonymous, then uh, they're not going to answer truthfully. And this really brings me back to um, what happens when they don't believe that it's anonymous. And especially with with the more important questions, the more impactful questions. Will you be getting what you need? With this survey, 
You're not going to get what you need because they don't believe that it's anonymous. And they're going to tell you what you want. They're, they're either not going to participate or take the survey at all, or they're going to tell you what, you, what they think you want to hear. Then what? Now, the question is also if you're even asking the right questions in that survey. Remember, I told you when, when I did that, that little uh, uh, poll of uh, asking whether you think it's anonymous or not, I was very careful on how I phrased the question so I'm not leading them in one direction or another. You know, when I did my PhD study, I remember one semester, the I got a call from the uh, uh, my my uh, academic advisor, and he asked me if I needed any help in uh, selecting courses for the next semester. And I said, no, I, I did. I selected courses. What, what, I'm not registered? He said, no, no, you're registered. But, you know, you need to start thinking about your dissertation and, and get a mentor and, and start thinking about your methodology. Are you going to be qualitative or quantitative and, and so on? And, and I was kind of confused with, with his questions. I said, look, you know, I've already come, came up with a topic. I already have a mentor. I already know what my methodology is going to be. Why are you asking this? And he said, okay, let me be blunt with you. You took both qualitative and quantitative um, uh, classes. It looks like you don't know what, what methodology you're going to use. So, you know, understanding that, I told him, listen, and this, by the way, is why my PhD is general in organization and management, and I don't have any minor or any specialty area because I took every freaking research class they had in that university because I knew that even if my dissertation is going to be qualitative, five, 10, 20 years down the road, I'm going to want to do a quantitative research and I'm not going to have the tools because I never bothered taking the appropriate classes. So I took every research class. Um, but, you know, one part of it is I remember when, when I took uh, a class on survey questions, on, on how to form survey questions, um, one of the biggest issues was uh, to make sure that your questions are not leading. You know, there was a British uh, uh, TV show that I used to watch in Israel. Uh, very funny. I loved it. It was called Yes, Minister. And then it was followed up by Yes, Prime Minister. And it puts somebody who does not seem to be, you know, the smartest uh, uh, person around. And he's a minister. And his chief of staff is, uh, you know, way, way smarter and, and more manipulative and, and so on. And, and the uh, office administrator was asking... Uh, uh, about he said you know the the prime minister wants to do a survey he wants to to do something and he said uh, the the chief of staff said you know uh order a survey that shows this result a, a certain outcome and the administrative assistant goes how can you order a survey that that gives you a, a, a predetermined answer right and he said i'm going to give you an example so a young lady comes over to your house to survey you and you obviously want to impress her. And um, so she asks you these questions. Are you worried about the number of young people without jobs? Are you worried about the rise in crime among teenagers? So the answer is yes. Do you think there is a lack of discipline in our comprehensive schools? Yes. Do you think young people welcome the authority and leadership in their lives? Yes. 
Do you think they'll respond to a challenge? Yes. Would you be in favor of reintroducing national service? And and the administrative assistant says, well, yeah, I, I suppose so. And he says, yes or no? Yes. He says, okay, now let's assume that you came with these questions. Are you worried about the danger of war? Yes. Are you worried about the growth of armaments? Yes. Do you think there is a danger in giving young people guns and teaching them how to kill? Well, yes. Do you think it's wrong to force people to take up arms against their will? Well, yes. Would you oppose the reintroduction of national service? And the administrative assistant goes, well, yes. And then realizing he just gave the opposite answer to what he gave before. And what they do is they take out the first four or five questions and they only stay with the last one. And that's how you order a specific answer. Well, I'm not suggesting that companies are trying to do that. They're trying to hold a survey that would give them the answer they want to get. Because really, then you have to wonder, what's the point? I mean, are you trying to know what the employee engagement levels are? Or are you trying to hear what you want to hear? So you've got to be very careful with the questions. And the questions could be leading questions. The questions could be, for example, something that's called double-barreled questions. So uh, double-barreled questions is, is really two questions in one. And when it's being answered, you don't know what was really the answer. So one example would be uh, something like, uh, like this. Are you less engaged because of your boss? Well, if you say yes... I think it's pretty clear. You're saying that I'm less engaged and it's because of my boss. But what happens when you say no? Does it mean that you're not less engaged or that you are less engaged, but it's not because of your boss? So you got to be careful with the questions in the employee engagement survey. Then, of course, there is a, um, you know, the depth. Um My mentor, my, my dissertation mentor used to, to distinguish two uh uh, two levels of, uh, or, or two, uh, the, the two types of research, quantitative versus qualitative, he gave them different names. He said quantitative, he referred to as explanatory. We already have the hypothesis and we're going to confirm it or or deny it or, or reject it. And maybe confirmatory, I think, was another word that he used for quantitative. So we already have a sense of what the answer might be, and we're just trying to confirm it beyond reasonable statistical significance, okay? Or qualitative, which is mainly interviews, focus groups, things like that, where where you get to peel an onion, uh, and he called that exploratory. This is where you don't really know the answer. I mean, you may have a general sense, but but you're not trying to confirm or reject a hypothesis. You're trying to find out an answer. That's That's my preference. That's what I did. But that would require interviews, focus groups, not so much anonymous anymore, uh, but can be done confidentially. Um, You know, and and in my research, there was an interesting uh, situation where the the responses that I got uh, helped me understand something about the topic that I didn't even think about before. So, for example, uh, my research was about motivation for creativity, and the, the research question was, uh, why are people so much more creative when they work in startup companies than when they work in large, mature companies? 
And uh, I, I read a lot of research before that. I came up with, I think, something like 12 different factors that I wanted to, to investigate. So those were kind of my guiding uh, elements or components that, that I was uh, following. And one of them was challenges. And research before me showed that challenges have a positive impact on the level of creativity. So the more challenges, the more uh, creativity you're going to have. Well, in one of the interviews, I, I think, uh, I don't know, it was maybe the 12th interviewee or 13th interviewee that I had. I asked the question, uh, were the challenges bigger or smaller in the startup company or the mature company? So where, where were they bigger? Where were they smaller? And the participant answered, what do you mean challenges? Are you talking about internal challenges or external challenges? Because I can tell you that the external challenges were bigger in the startup. The internal challenges like bureaucracy, red tape and all were bigger in the mature company. And that was not even thing that I thought about before. I didn't think about making that distinguish, uh, distinction. So, you know, if, if you have a predetermined set of questions, then um, you're going to be limited in the depth of information you're going to get. I mean, it's really going to confirm or reject uh, a hypothesis. And, you know, granted, uh, we may think that we already know what employee engagement is and it's universal and absolute, which you know that I don't believe in. You're going to miss the anecdotes. You're going to miss uh, the subtleties. I noticed that we're past the 30-minute mark and I don't like the episodes to be uh, that long. So once again, I'm going to split it in two. Uh, and uh, the next, the second half is going to be released again today. So both halves will be available to you today. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.